London Property, home of Super Prime, where you can find informative, educational and entertaining content covering all aspects of property. Hello and welcome to the London Property Podcast. I'm your host, Farnas, and today we're in conversation with Susie Holland, who is a top agent in Paris. You set up your own business in Paris and you're going to tell us all about it and the exciting things you see that uh, go across markets. Welcome, Susie. Hey, Farnas. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yeah, um, well, I used to live in London, so never uh, lost the love for the, the city, but I've been living in Paris for almost 20 years, and I set up my brokerage there in 2003. And uh, yeah, we deal with uh, high net worth clientele from all over the world. I mean, literally customers come from every corner of the planet because um, I think a property in Paris is really a trophy asset. And so when people get to the point where they've maybe sold their business or they're starting to slow down, retire a bit, they come to Paris mainly for the lifestyle. Um, sometimes they want to have a euro asset as well, but the it's an investment, but it's mainly an investment combined with the lifestyle benefits of Paris, which is, uh, we all know what that is. Right. So it's very much a, a pleasure investment rather than a necessity investment for it's the high net worths. Absolutely. Um, there's a desire for something that um, people have probably got a strong emotional attachment with the city for one reason or another. A lot of romantic people interested in food, literature or art, especially. And um, maybe they visited Paris when they were a lot younger and didn't get it out of their system. A lot of people are repeat visitors, so they're coming twice a year and staying in hotels. And it's definitely uh, it's quite different when somebody decides they want to own in France because, you know, we do have quite a complex business environment in France. And so they have to be very engaged with that and understand what that's all about and decide if it's for them or not. But it's actually not as complicated as you might think. And there are a lot of protections for someone buying in, in France as well. It's a good it's a good system for purchasers. So, I mean, there's some, some thing, sort of real estate uh, rules that apply sort of globally with regards to but uh, taxes you pay when you buy, taxes you pay when you sell. But there's something that's very French, which is if you own a property for a very long period of time, you end up not paying capital gains tax. Is that right? 30 mm. years or something like well, that? Well, first of all, you wouldn't pay capital gains tax if it's your principal residence. Other than that, you will pay it, but it's digressive. So after 30 years, there's none. Um, until that time... If you buy in an area where the price, you know, shoots up, it's going to be maybe prohibitive. But most people's exposure is not going to be that. You know, the market's not like New York City. Uh, Paris is a different beast. You know, the sixth and the seventh are Hondismon, the sixteenth and the eighth. Those are the more prime areas, and prices are going up, but uh, you know, steadily. So how has the market behaved in the past 20 years that you've been Ooh. involved? Um, Paris is just uber resilient. 
I, I think the the market is very, very resilient, much more so than Manhattan, for example. I mean, I've been there through 2008 financial crisis. I've been there through terrorist attacks and now COVID pandemic. And it never really changes. And as a simple reason, there is not a lot of stock. So it's actually very small, much, much smaller than London. And uh, to be honest, there's quite a lot of bad property out there too. So the really good things, the gems, they're few and far between. And um, you've got to be pretty determined to, you know, lock in those, those purchases. There's a quite active off-market property, you know, sub-market going on. So that's where a lot of the interesting products trade. So there is a lot of encouragement for people to hold on. A, you can't find the stock if you sell and you want to replace it, but also they're giving tax incentives for people to stay in the market for a long time. So that's, that's, that's right. why you're not finding this, Absolutely. this just turnaround. That's right. And there's a disincentive to flip property. That doesn't happen. So that's why um, areas take longer to gentrify in Paris. Um, it doesn't have the same pace of London or New York. Uh, it's not a property is not a business. It's a it's a heritage thing. It's a family property, perhaps, or people are buying to hold it for a long, long time. Um, and it works well for that. That's it's a great, you know, hedge against other other locations where you may own or or different types of investments. It's a safe, safe haven, really. And um, every time there is some kind of upheaval in the world, we will see the market move in relation to that, let's say uh, the Arab Spring, for instance, lots of purchases happened at that time. And then we're quite susceptible to currency fluctuations. So in certain years when we've had a lot of American buyers who just said, well, I've been waiting until the dollar got stronger and it's the sweet spot now. So, you know, they just phone up and say, what do you have with an amazing river view? Let's go shopping. That's always fun. Fantastic. Well, you you were cute. You were quoted in the in the press when uh, uh, Messi was in Paris looking for uh, property. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that we're not going to get too much out of you with regards to the specifics of Messi's uh, house hunting. But uh, I guess there is a lot of movement with the football clubs as well from a rental perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Barcelona fan, so I don't support PSG. <laughs> Other, um, I love football. I follow it and we do have some high level sports people as customers, football and tennis mainly. Um, and we developed a relationship with the club in Paris because they sometimes need uh, nice properties for players. And we also have a rental portfolio of luxury properties that were bought with us and they're furnished. And so we've been got to know them over the years. So, um, the problem is that usually football players need lots of garage space, and that's not something that we have in Paris townhouses. And in fact, townhouses are even quite rare themselves. They tend to be in the little bit outer districts of Paris. Um, usually the players end up living in Nuit-sur-Seine, which is, let's say you, you know where the Arc de Triomphe is, and if you start heading for La Défense, you're going in the right direction. Or maybe around the Bois de Boulogne or Boulogne itself. 
where you can find big homes, you know, for children, cars, garages, and uh, big gardens and things. So they tend to go that way. Tend to go that way. And then they need other, you know, they need high security and things as well. So to be honest, in central Paris, it doesn't suit, suit them. And is there actually a rental investor market or is it really how much, you know, intel you have and you know who to call to try and find the stock? Or do people actually, I mean, you said it before that people tend to invest in Paris for romantic reasons, for mm-hmm. personal reasons, family reasons. But is there interest from investors to actually buy stock for purely for renting out? What yeah. are the returns like? There absolutely is. Yeah. I mean, I think that goes... Uh, it goes along with how easy it was to borrow money in, in France. And it's sadly, it's very difficult now for non-residents to get loans. But in certain times, there it was much easier. So uh, that's a lot of our rental stock comes from those days when people said, well, look, this property can wash its face. I can buy it and have two months to to live in it over the summer. These people who are selling it to me do management and they'll find me tenants. So we've got 250 property like that. And there's a very healthy demand. The occupancy rates like 85 to 90% if things are all going well. Just has to be well, well renovated and decorated. And we have a sort of niche market where... It's furnished rental, but it's really corporate people or people coming to, you know, experience the lifestyle. So they need everything to be ready. More like the kind of lettings in London, the high-end lettings um, here. It's a similar market. So internationals who just want to arrive with a laptop and their clothes and have everything on tap. Mm. There was a time going back maybe 15, 20 years now where we saw a huge influx of French people moving to London mm-hmm. uh, for political tax reasons and, and whatever yeah. it was. Francois that, Hollande. Right. So that <laughs> relationship sort of between the Lon- London-Paris real yeah. estate relationship, can you tell us a bit more about that? What happened, for example, around Brexit time? Well, Brexit, it was predicted that there would be, you know, an enormous influx of people coming back to Paris. It never really happened. Uh, I think there were, Brexit stimulated a lot of people to reassess their global portfolio. And so there wasn't this sort of, you know, we're leaving our jobs and we're, we're, we're moving from South Kensington and we're coming back to Paris. It was more subtle. We would eventually find out that people were reorganizing their business. They needed a European base, so they decided to relocate to Paris. I believe that a lot of the French who left France liked it in the UK, and they said, thanks, but no thanks. So they didn't really come back. And then at the time where, you know, in the lead up to the actual hard Brexit, I mean, we were trying to gear up for the possibility of this huge demand that would surge, and it never appeared. Uh, It was more like a trickle, and um, it's a good thing in a way because Paris was not ready for a huge demand for luxury products because we don't have it. You know, people always ask for 
I want a luxury rental. I want to buy a luxury turnkey property with air conditioning. I mean, this is just a tiny segment of the market that we're talking about. Most flats are unrenovated, need renovation, need gut renovation. And you even to get workers and materials and things that right now, you know, that could take over a year to do those flats. And they're all quite historic buildings, so it's it's probably you have to do restorations. You can't just go in and do things. Um, I think that's that's not so much of a blockage because you can do what you like inside the property as long as you're not touching things on the facade of the property. In your own unit, you can do what you like. If you're not needing to do structural work, uh, you, you know, if you want to move walls and create new space you'll need a structural engineer you'll need to get permission from the co-owners association but unless you need to do that you can do what you like with your uh, interior decorator and architect so it's not too paperwork heavy for the renovation right but there isn't such a culture of fix and sell really in paris like there is in london no no it's just a tiny little group of people who are buying unrenovated properties which are incredibly difficult to find good address good features like you know fireplaces and high ceilings and beautiful parquet doing them up and reselling there's a few but literally under 10 people doing that in all of Paris so the way that you didn't get the sort of mass exodus from London to back to Paris at Brexit are you have you noticed a shift in interest from French people to London? Um, I don't know because I think that your stamp duty situation is a bit prohibitive and then Brexit just made everybody, you know, put everything on hold, like let's see what happens, let's see how this plays out. Then we've got, you know, the pandemic. So haven't really seen an uptick in French, you know, focus on London at this point, probably until things settle down. If that's going to happen. If that's ever going to happen. <laughs> so in, in recent times, the most demand that you've seen has been from any particular uh, destination or it's it hasn't really been one country over another that's shown interest? Uh, actually, yes. Um, within the last sort of six months, I'd say we had many more customers from Northern Europe, Germany in particular, um, I've had quite a lot of customers from Greece. Um, it's really at South Africa, Britain, people based in Britain and based in London, but not Brits. So internationals who are just, you know, they've had time to reflect in the last couple of years, as we all have, like, hmm, always thought about maybe living in France. The other thing I've seen is that so many people who rent with us now say, I'm renting, try to buy. I'm going to buy with you guys, but right now I'm going to rent for six months and see where this goes. Like literally half of our renters now say this. So that's like, must be an increase of 35% of people now. Try before you buy. Yeah. And you are involved in in the rest of the locations in in France, I should say as well, not yep, just Paris. Yeah, we do. Um, 
Firstly, uh, the most sought after place is Provence for our customers. And then also, let's say the Riviera, but that's there's different micro markets, whether it's Saint-Tropez, Cap Ferrat, Cap d'Antibes. Um, and then around Bordeaux, so between Bordeaux and Toulouse, we have uh, got interest there. We've actually got a little mini office down there because I love the region and uh, some very interesting opportunities for people who are interested in a country house. And that area is called Gascony and um, it's a little under the radar. It's, I'd say it's equivalent to Tuscany. It's quite low key. It's quite a lot of discreet, wealthy people there. There's a little private airport. You can get very, very nice country house and chateau for a very reasonable price compared to some of the other locations. And you have the TGV train, so you can get to Paris in about three hours. That's that's a really interesting region to look at. Okay, good to know. Are you having? Are you experiencing what we experience here? That people are actually looking to go out of the city after COVID, or is it? Is are the French not being as obsessed with outside spaces? Some of the micro markets we have here, Hampstead's gone off, off the scales, for example. Um, I think a lot of the French who left were the ones who were like families that had some two kids and wanted and needed to have more bedrooms, and they were like, "Okay, I'm done with Paris. I'm off." And so that's not really our customer. So that was the sort of middle class French people who left, went to either Normandy, Marseille. Or, uh, yeah, maybe Seeking Sun, so further south. So we're quite obsessed with price per square foot in London. Everything is price per square foot. And, you know, mm. nobody can think of anything unless it's price per square yeah, foot. Yeah, it's the same in Paris. So what is, you know, a really expensive price per square foot to pay in Paris? I, I really hate this thing about obsession with our, well, we, we're price per square meter. I'll try and do the calculations for you, but... Um, you can tell us in meters. Uh, I tend to, the kind of customers that we have, they're looking for a special thing. Like, it's like a vintage car or it's something they don't need. It's just a beautiful thing. And Paris is where they've just focused on. So before COVID, 30,000 euros used to be oh my goodness, that's such a huge budget, you know, and actually now it's more like 40, 45 can go up from there. Um, that's unheard of in Paris until, you know, the last couple of years. Okay. So for the best, best things. So that's not too different to London. That's about £4,000 a square foot. Mm -hmm. So we've caught up with you actually. Yeah, which we were way behind. And what's next, you think, for the Paris market? Oh, what's next for the Paris market? Um, I think people will definitely need to work with a buyer's agent and, you know, probably pay fees when they're being represented. It's it's so necessary. If you want to get to the best product, it will be impossible uh, because the market is extremely fragmented. There's no transparency about prices. We don't have databases and as much as you do in London it's a minefield for the consumer so they need to work with a buyer's agent um, prices will keep going up 
really think so. I can't see how they won't because we don't have any new build. Like we've got nothing. Like you, you guys here are, you know, lots of different parts of London are regenerating and can be rehabilitated. Whereas we just, we're just, we've got this ring road, the peripherique. So, you know, and there's a lot of areas of Paris that people wouldn't just wouldn't want to live. There's only a few that they're going to really consider, to be honest. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to us today. That has been an interesting insight into the Paris market. And uh, for the, our listeners, they can uh, know that they've got someone they can go to who can speak in their language and show them the ropes and make comparisons between areas in Paris that are like areas in London. Yeah, avec plaisir. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you for listening. And if you're an expert with a story to tell, uh, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the London Property Podcast. Head over to londonproperty.co.uk and subscribe to our newsletter to receive latest updates.